Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your two-time PACE award-winning hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Field Days Podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by Chris Gouts. What's up, Chris? How are you? I am good. You know, uh, last week we had our, our kind of our clip show uh, for, for the year. We went back, but this is our kind of our first live episode, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We're actually here in the new year, coming to you live, recorded live. But I have a question for you. Sure. Did you know that this is now the fourth calendar year that Field Days has existed? I did not know that. How do you know that? Do you figure all this out? You're a nerd. How do you figure all this out? Our first show aired October 13th of 2015, so 15, wow. 16, 17, and now And who was on that show? Well, I wasn't even I wasn't even part of the show. You guys wouldn't let me on, so. Yeah. So you know who was on that show? You don't, do you? It was Erin DeLuf. That's right. She's an embedded agent out of Battle Creek. So who was on the first show that you did, Chris? Uh, that would be our boss and yours, Director Washington. That's right. Good. Well done. So it is a new year, and what did you ask people to do? Well, let's get to it. Well, we asked them to give shout-outs to their uh, employees or their supervisors, somebody in their office that was doing something great that needed to be recognized, not just in the office, but for the whole state and the whole world to, to hear. That's right. And we, we got some. That's great. Yeah. So Agent uh, Erica White from the Greenfield District Probation Office over in the, in the metro territory, she sends in a shout-out for Agent uh, Tierra Warren. But Agent uh, Erica White says, I wanted to take time to shout-out Agent Tierra Warren from Greenfield District Probation for all the charitable work she does and has done in our office. Agent Warren has been with Greenfield District for two years, and from the beginning, she has stepped up and taken charge of any office event. She is creative, inspiring, and shows great leadership. This past Thanksgiving, Agent Warren kicked off our biggest harvest gathering collecting non-perishable foods, personal hygiene products, toys, socks, and gloves to donate to different charitable organizations. Agent Warren is our shining star and needs to be recognized for all that she has done. So that is awesome, number one. Uh, thank you, Erica, for sending that in. That, that means a lot. Um, and thank you, Tierra, for everything that uh, Agent uh, White just said about you. It, it, what you do matters. We always say that. And uh, clearly, as, as Agent uh, White says, you are a shining star. So thank you for everything that you do. And uh, let's get some more shout-outs going, Chris. We need to get more of these. These, these are... Uh, these are really cool. Yeah, so th- that's exactly what we're looking for. So if, if you know somebody that, that's done something uh, like that, uh, send, us, send, it, send it our way to uh, askmdoc at michigan.gov or just to, to your email or to mine, and, uh, and we'll get you uh, on the next episode. Yeah, or they can just record it themselves and send it in too, right? They could do that too. They, if you want to hear your bright, uh, sunshiny voice uh, on the podcast next to our dulcet tones, uh, you right. can do that as well. Well, Chris, um, I'm excited to have a friend of the pod on today. Do you know who that is? Uh, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, it's not Noah. No, it's oh, it's not Noah. It's okay. not Noah. Oh, no, yeah. it's you, Kyle. you always forget his name. It, yes, it's Kyle. It's Kyle. Yeah. So yeah, we're excited to have Kyle Kaminsky in today. So let's get to, let's get to our conversation. All right, Chris. Well, tis the season. You know, what, you know what season it is, right? What season would that be? It's almost budget season. That's true. And what better person to have on the podcast during budget season to to talk about everything uh, legislation and budget than Kyle Kaminsky? So I'm happy to have Kyle on. Kyle, thanks for coming on Field Days again for your what is it? Your third or fourth time now? I think third. Third time, okay. We don't want to get too we don't get too much here. So, um, a very big friend of the pod is Kyle Kaminsky, and uh, so we're happy to have him on today to talk about some of the new legislation going on that's actually coming into effect uh, in January. It was part of the twenty one bill package that passed. When did that pass, Kyle? Passed back at the beginning of uh, two thousand seventeen. Okay, 
and many of the big bills um, take effect this month, correct? Yep. Some of them took effect uh, last year, but the last remaining bills, uh, which had some of the biggest changes for us, took effect on January 1st. Let's, let's get uh, into some of the big ones now, and they're going to affect FOA. And one of those is the Regional Incentive Program, right? Can you talk about that, what that is? Sure. So this started out as something in the MDOC budget that the legislature put in place. And the goal, uh, according to them, was to try to foster some level of creativity within the MDOC and FOA specifically in terms of trying to come up with ways to reduce uh, parole and probation failures on a regional basis. So using the 10 prosperity regions that have been delineated around the state, having some of those regions agree to participate in a program where they'd get some funding up front, and then each quarter where they are able to reduce the number of probation and parole revocations that result in the offender going back to prison, they'd get some additional funding to kind of keep the momentum going. Um, so it's, it's meant to kind of be an opportunity to launch some new programs that we haven't had in the past because there is some new money attached to it. Um, but it's kind of a, one of those situations where we're only, we'll only continue to get funding if those new programs actually work. So does this go for probation and parolees? Yeah, so it covers both. So the way the legislation works is uh, we'll measure both the probation and parole revo uh, revocation rates in each region that participates. We'll measure them separately so we don't just combine them together. They get measured separately, and you have to show progress with both, uh, both groups. So we'll set a baseline quarter. And then the goal will obviously be to reduce the number of revocations in the following quarters. If we aren't successful in a quarter, it doesn't mean that the programs necessarily come to an end right then and there. Um, there's an opportunity uh, to still achieve funding in future quarters if we can get the numbers headed back in the right direction. Okay, uh, so let's talk about specifics now. So um, in FOA, we're going to we're going to start off in a couple regions to, to get the to kick this off. Uh, it should happen sometime. Hopefully soon. Uh, I know we're waiting for um, some jail space to open up to do a program for, for the males. And that one's going to be held at the Van Buren County Jail. And this program is, gonna, is going to encompass Region 8. And it's going to be an opioid-specific program targeting probation and parole violators in Region 8. Um, it, it, they will be sanctioned or sentenced to uh, the Van Buren County Jail, where they'll go through an intensive, um, at least a four-month intensive opioid-specific program and hopefully come out with a little uh, medication-assisted treatment, some, some aftercare, some, um, some peer coaching when they come out. So, you know, we're really looking at targeting that opioid-specific um, issue happening across the country, but, uh, you know, we, we're going to target Region 8, and uh, hopefully we'll see some, uh, some good results from that program. Now, for the other program we're going to do is in uh, Region 10, which is the Metro Detroit area, and we're going to target females there. Same program, um, opioid-specific. It's not going to be at a jail. It's going to be at uh, one of our providers in the, in the metro Detroit area. And uh, we're looking to target female population in that area to, to reduce those numbers going to prison and really, um, you know, get at, again, the heroin and opioid problem happening uh, over there. We'll have medication-assisted treatment there, too. And hopefully we'll see some results, um, some good results from these two programs. So I'm, I'm excited to, to kick these off. I know it's, it's, it's been a slow process to get this going, but... Um, it should it should really help us um, get at that problem across you know Michigan and, and across the nation with the opioids. Second on our list to talk about was the parole sanction certainty program. Uh, can you talk a little about a little, little bit about that, Kyle? Sure. So the idea for this uh, kind of came from the Swift and Sure program that exists for probationers uh, in a number of courts around 
the state but also the country. The, the goal is to have a form of parole supervision that would look relatively similar to most other parole, but what would be different is the offender would know the likely sanctions for their actions before they even uh, committed those violations. So it, it's, it's about being transparent with them and it's about, again, kind of replacing the severity of the response with the certainty of the response. Um, so we'd have a, a number of graduated sanctions that would be available. Um, and, and, you know, for, for the agent and for the offender, they'd know exactly what type of conduct would lead to what type of sanction for that group. Um, the goal being to see if we can change behavior through that approach of um, making sure that the offenders know that while the actual sanction may not be as high as they might perceive it to be under the current situation, they will be subject to that sanction. There, there won't be a question as to whether or not they'll be subject to it. And so to see if that will change some of their behaviors. The legislation requires us to launch this in the five counties with the largest parole population. So I think that'll be the focus as we start and get into the year here. Um, but obviously we'll be monitoring it closely and FWA may choose to expand it in the future. Right, so right now we're looking at um, the five largest counties are, it's Wayne, Macomb, Oakland, um, Kent County, and Genesee County, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. So this this kind of this kind of models what we're doing in the Swift and Sure courts. Is that did I hear you say that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so this is good. Um, you know, are we going to base any of this on the risk of the offender? So the sanction would fit. You know, low risk offender, low severity thing. Would would that kind of is that how it's going to fit? Yeah. So that'll be the key. Is as as we move forward with this, um, really trying to have a set of sanctions that makes sense based on the offender's risk okay. more so than the offender's previous offense. Um, and, and this fits together with a lot of the other great initiatives that FOA is working on right now, things like the carry guides, et cetera, um, to really refocus that, that energy and the response to those folks that pose the greatest risk. Okay. And finally, let's talk about, because this, this has been a hot topic in FOA for quite a while now since this bill came out, um, is the probation early discharge bill. Can you talk about that one? Sure. So th this one's actually been in force uh, a little longer than the other two that we've talked about today. Uh, the legislature took it upon themselves to pass a bill um, to make some changes around early probation discharge. The MDOC's obligation under the bill are, are pretty straightforward. Our obligation is just that the agent may tell the judge uh, or may request early discharge when the offenders reached the halfway point of their probation term. Uh, FOA staff aren't required to do that, but uh, it, it's permissive that they could do that. The challenge is that the legislature changed some of the other functions that occur once that happens, uh, namely that the judge now has to hold a hearing and the victim has to be noticed of that hearing. Um, because of that, there is a concern on the part of judges and I think on the part of the MDOC that we may actually see a reduction in the number of early discharges of prob from probation just because it's uh, a, a harder task now because of the amount of time and energy that has to be put into it by the courts. The MDOC was not seeking this approach. I, I'm not sure that the courts were seeking this approach either, but we're both monitoring it very closely and uh, asking for feedback because this is something that we may eventually have to go back to the legislature and talk to them about in terms of what the impact of this has been. The legislature's goal ultimately was to have more people discharge early from probation. Uh, the concern is obviously just that that may not actually occur under the bill. Agents are still doing the same thing they've always done, right? They're, they can still request early discharge halfway through the probation term. The only difference is, is now the victim has to come, um, has, is able to come and uh, testify at that hearing, correct? Yeah, it, essentially that, that is the case. The, the responsibilities for MDOC staff have not really changed okay. under this. 
um, but the responsibilities for the court are, are more significant now. That's really interesting. And, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff there that deals with FOA, and, you know, it's kind of amazing to, to think back and that this was in March that the, the governor signed these bills. You know, you know Kyle, you, you and I were there, and a number of other, uh, you know, VIPs. Greg, you weren't there. Oh. Right? <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't there. Well, well done, Kyle. Well done. <laughs> but, uh, but if you... I think sometimes people think like you know a bill gets signed and then all of a sudden everything changes overnight and you know good things happen. But you know these bills don't even take effect until just a couple of days ago. The majority of these, but for those, but it just that doesn't just happen. You know, you know I know Greg, you put a lot of work into getting these app working and a lot there's a lot of policies and a lot of things to go into it. So you know kudos to you and all the FOA staff that had to spend a lot of time taking these these bills and these laws and turning them into actual policy that uh, is going to hopefully reap a lot of benefits. So a lot of work that went into this. But there was another bill that I think a lot of our staff have heard about, you know, they've seen on the news, uh, and that's, I think, what people are calling the, the felon hiring bill. I know we're still in the midst of crafting how that ultimately could look, but Kyle, if you could talk a little bit about that and what that's going to be look like. Sure. So uh, late in 2017, the legislature passed a new bill um, that ends the MDOC's prohibition on hiring people with a felony record. So that prohibition has been in place for a few decades. Um, it was something that the legislature put in place based on some debate that, that took place back at that time, and we've been operating under that. But there's been a willingness on the part of the Department of Corrections as well as the legislature to, to reevaluate that, especially as we talk so much now to employers and others about offender success and the, the need to give folks a second chance in terms of employment, and yet we weren't capable of doing that. At the same time, though, we are still the Department of Corrections, and, and you know, public safety is the paramount, con paramount concern that we have. So what the legislation actually does is it just directs the Department of Corrections to come up with a new policy that would allow for somebody with a felony to be hired. It doesn't guarantee their hiring. Um, it, it just gives us the authority to create that policy. The law does make clear, however, that that policy can't allow for anybody to be hired in a position that could impact public safety or the core operations, the security operations of the Department of Corrections. So the department will be working um, over the next couple months to, to put that policy together and put that process in place. Um, the, the other guidance that the legislature gave us in the, in the new law is that uh, anybody being considered who has a felony must be subject to a, a thorough investigation by the department, and ultimately their hiring would have to be signed off on by the director. Um, so we'll be working on that as, as we move forward here. Um, the department views it as a positive. We think it's a way for us to lead by example, and at the same time, um, we're very cognizant of the concerns um, surrounding many of the operations that we have in terms of security, um, custody, uh, privacy of information that, that we handle on a daily basis. So we'll be working to make sure that that policy uh, fits within all those parameters. Yeah, and I think once once we get all that set, we have to do that within 90 days, right? So we're, mm -hmm. well, it's probably like 70 or so now uh, that this comes out. So there's still a lot of time that we're that people are going to be crafting that, just like we did the, the policies around the other bills that we just talked about. So there's still a lot of work to be done. And once we get that all finalized, we'll, we'll share that on the podcast and in, in, the, in the newsletter and let people, let our staff know exactly uh, what the parameters are going to be for, for hiring, because I know people do have some of those concerns. I think Kyle uh, covered them uh, quite well. Um, any um, anything else that uh, that was either passed in 2017 or that maybe we're looking forward to uh, coming up in, in 2018? So we're uh, we're waiting for the legislature to come back uh, in 2018. Uh, they'll be back the second week of January. We do think there are some issues based on some debate that happened late last year that still have some 
some life in the legislature that impacts the Department of Corrections. Probably the, the one that's gotten the most discussion is um, coming up with a mechanism to allow medically frail prisoners to potentially be paroled or released uh, before their earliest release date. And obviously, uh, with truth and sentencing, that's, that's a complicated equation to figure out how to do that. Uh, but there's two separate bills in the legislature that seek to do that right now. We've had hearings in two separate committees so far. And so there does seem to be a great deal of interest in finding ways to better uh, manage that population and determine if that population really needs to be incarcerated or if they could go to a more appropriate setting like a nursing home. Um, so we'll be watching that and participating in that as we move along. We also saw right before the legislature left for the year uh, the introduction of a new bill dealing with the parole process and the parole board. Um, the goal of that bill would to be to try to ensure that uh, the parole process is objective and evidence-based. Um, it, it would prevent um, parole decisions based on certain subjective measures and at the same time would, would lay out what objective factors could be used as substantial and compelling reasons to not parole somebody who has a high parole guideline score. Um, the, the standard that you must state a substantially compelling reason not to parole them already exists in law. What the bill does is try to put in some objective, evidence-based uh, parameters on what those, um, what those actual reasons would be. So we're expecting some debate on that as we move forward in January and February. Um, we'll also see the governor will introduce his new budget recommendations sometime in February and we'll start the budget process, the public side of the budget process. Um, at that point, and that'll carry us through June. Well, again, uh, you know, that bill really, you know, I think the Pro Board does an excellent job at, mm -hmm. uh, at what Absolutely. they do. So I think this has a little effect on them overall. Uh, but, you know, we, we appreciate you coming on, Kyle. <clears throat> this does help out staff to understand the bills, to understand what's, you know, upcoming. Um, but I do want to say before you leave today that a couple weeks ago we, t we had a podcast where we talked about our favorite podcast, and um, we each did our top five. And one of mine was going to be yours that you were on last year, but Chris said we couldn't put you on. It wasn't appropriate. So I want you to know that you were one of my top five podcasts, <laughs> Fake um, but, Chris, but Chris wouldn't allow it. So Fake news. Um, thank you for always coming on, Kyle. We appreciate you. Uh, we know you work. You do work hard around here, and uh, we appreciate that, and we appreciate you coming on Field Days today. Thanks. Well, thanks for having me. All right. As always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.